Hallelujah. <clears throat> so God gave me this word uh, probably three or four months ago. And when he gave it to me, I knew it was for a time that uh, I would be able to, to speak before the church. What I didn't know was that uh, what he had spoke to me was about fellowship with God and how God works things that Pastor Jason, for those of you that was here Sunday, spoke on the fruits of fellowship with God Sunday. And so without me saying that, you would think, well, I just was following up with what Pastor Jason had started this week, but, but I'd had this lesson in my heart for, for several months, uh, talking about fellowship with God. Uh, so what is fellowship? What's fellowship look like to you? So most of us would know and would be real quick to say, we refer to that a lot in the church today. We say, hey, we got together, you know, in fellowship. You know, and that means with most of the time when we're talking about that, we're talking about with Christian brothers and sisters. Because if you look up the definition, it says we share with people we have something in common with. So we come to share with one another because we have in common a Savior, a God that we believe in and we trust in. And so that's the fellowship we have when we come but what is fellowship with God? What does that look like? I studied that out and it said that we are in agreement with Him in all things. Fellowship with God, for us to be in fellowship with God, to have true communion with God, we must be in agreement with Him in all things. There must be a oneness of heart. A oneness of heart between us and God. And at the heart of fellowship that we must have a like mind. The Bible says we must have the mind of Christ. For us to learn how to be in genuine and fellowship with God and communion with God, we've got to take on the mind of Christ. And as we go into this tonight, there's one thing I want to add here, and, and, and I'll bring it in a little more later, but when we come together in the church and we come together in like-mindedness, would be to come to worship God. That we would come with that on our mind, not on what's happened today and what's been going on in your life, but come here with a like mind that we come to worship the living God when we come in this place. I, I think many times we come out of habit, out of tradition, with little thought when, we come in, when we're on our way to church or coming into church that our mind is set and our mind is fixed on just coming to worship God and to get into God's presence and experience the fellowship with Him. Philippians 2, uh, I'm going to start in Philippians 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 5 through 8 tonight. And it says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So that's, that's having the like mind. Uh, so that we can come in that communion with God. So it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. To become obedient unto death. You see, if we're going to have a true fellowship with God, He requires the same thing of us. To become obedient unto death. What does that mean as a Christian for us to come obedient unto death? <clears throat> Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So here we see what he's talking about. We've got to learn how to die to ourselves If we want to have life eternal, if we want to have the life that he speaks of, we've got to first learn how to die. We've got to first learn how to die. So we've got to learn how to submit ourselves to Christ each day. Uh, Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to turn over there in just a second. I don't think I gave him this scripture. Chapter 10, verse 38 and 39. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. So basically just saying the same thing again. We must learn how to submit our lives and we must learn the art of dying to ourselves. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 31... He said, I've learned to die daily. I have learned to die daily. Now, as I studied that out, some scholars said, well, that that meant that Paul faced a physical death daily for preaching the Word of God, that he knew his life was in danger. Uh, and there was times, you know, that it was. He was stoned. There was different things that happened to him. So... So in a physical sense, that's true. But Paul also learned the art of dying daily to himself in order to fulfill God's plan for his life. So he did learn to die daily to himself. What his, what his desires were for his life, he learned to die to those daily. And if we want... Now some might not want this... this you know, some of this tonight's a hard word because some would rather have a, a casual acquaintance with God and, and you know, just uh, show up for a couple hours on Sunday morning and, and not really have any other time, you know, in communion with God. So, that, you know, some of this word tonight's a hard word. 
But if you're, you know, if you're sincere about being in fellowship with God and being in God's presence, then as we go through these things tonight, you'll see that some of these things have to take place in our life in order for us to get close to God. Because He's going to require of us that we learn how to die first so that we can, we can have that life eternal, so that we can have that presence with Him. Romans chapter 6. I want to read a few verses there. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 12. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 12. <clears throat> know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So here he gives an example that we are buried just like Christ was buried in the earth. He had to die a physical death. But before, before Christ had to die a physical death, what did he have to do? He had to die to his flesh in order to submit. Because they couldn't kill him. They didn't have that ability to kill him until he said, I submit my flesh and I'm willing to die. So just like he was buried in baptism that day, or he was buried that day, we got to be buried in that baptism with him. That the old man's got to die so that the new man can come forth in the newness of life. We've got to learn how and what that means to, to, to die. Verse 5 says, or verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So they should, we, you know, there should be a difference in us. After we've been buried, after we've, we've died to our flesh, then there should be a difference in our walk. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, we should not serve sin. Now here's a hard word for some. Because some would use the excuse is that, that we've got to sin daily. I don't believe that. But now there's a, that's, that's, that's common to hear even in the church today. That, that, you know, that we live in a, a world where we have to sin daily. But would he have said that we henceforth don't serve sin if we wasn't able to not serve sin? If that wasn't possible for us to not serve sin any longer, then he would not have said in the word that we should not. So we've got to learn to die to self if we want to have that fellowship with God. Verse 7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, 
that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. So just proof there of what I'd already said that uh, if we've got to die to self and not let sin therefore reign in our body. So I'm building a foundation. When we get to you get a little further along tonight, you'll see where I'm going with this. Uh, another couple other scriptures. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am a follower of Christ. So Paul's told us to follow, he's told them, the church, early church, to follow him even as he followed Christ. So if it wasn't possible, it wouldn't have said in the Word of God that we had that ability. If we will learn to die to self, we can follow Christ and live that life that He has called us to live. 1 Peter 1.16 says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. You think that's possible for us to be holy and living in the fallen world that we live in? It is with the power of God in us. It is if we learn to submit our life to Christ and learn how to die daily like Paul said. We can walk in that holiness. We're walking in that holiness, then we're walking in God's presence and we learn how to walk in communion with Him. God never intended for that communion to be broke. When He created Adam and Eve, what, what, what was His purpose? He wanted them so that He could have communion with them. And they broke that communion with sin. But He gave us a Savior so that that communion could be restored. That we could walk in that fellowship with God daily. And, and, and fellowship with Him and be in His presence daily. 1 John 2 and 6 says... He that saith, he abideth in him. So if we claim to be a Christian, if we claim to be of God, it says, he that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. So it's declaring us here today, if we claim to be a Christian, then we should walk as Christ. We should walk even as Christ walked. Now, I know we'll, we'll, never, we'll not reach that perfection, but that should be what we strive for daily, to learn how to die daily and, and, and each day strive to walk like Christ. Because as we walk like Christ, we'll learn how to fellowship and be in communion with God like Christ was. He was in communion with God daily. I'm going to take a turn just a little bit here with you. I'm going to go to Exodus and this is kind of where really the, when God spoke this message to me several months ago, this was actually the scripture he spoke it to me out of. It's Exodus chapter 20. So what we find is the, we're the children of Israel here and Moses, and God has, has just given them the Ten Commandments. Moses had his time up on the mountain, and... He is, we're going to find a place here where he uh, wants to speak to the people. He wants to speak to the children of God here. Pick up in verse 18. It says, And all the people saw the thunderings. And if you go back and read before that, the thunderings uh, even reference to the thundering of his voice as he spoke. This was God speaking and he was on the mountain. And they were standing at the base of the mountain. It says, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet 
and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. They said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before you. And his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, This thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. So we go back, and the people seen all this, and so what happened is, it said that they removed and they stood afar off. They didn't want to be close to God. They seen how powerful and how mighty he was, and they heard the mighty voice of God referred to as the thunders and the trumpets. And they and they said, We don't want to be that close to God. And here's the sad part. This is when God spoke this scripture to me. They said, Hey Moses, you go up there and you see what God has to say to us, because we don't want to go. What they said right there was, and they said, lest we die. What they said was, they wasn't willing to give up some of the things of the flesh. Because some would think, well, no, that's talking about a physical death. Well, if it was, then what was Moses? He was human just like they were. The only difference was, was Moses' heart. That was the only difference between him and those people. Moses' heart was turned toward God. And Moses wanted to be in God's presence. But the people said, we're not willing to do that, Moses. Because if we do, we'll have to die. We'll have to give up some things to be in that true fellowship, that true communion with God. We'll have to give up things, Moses. Now, I know they didn't come out and say that, but I'm saying what their heart said about what they said. So they said, let us, we'll just back off. We'll let you go in there and find out what he wants to say. What he wants to say to us. And as God began to speak this to me, he started talking to me about the church of today. How many in the church today, the only fellowship they want, the only time they want to hear God is they want, they want a pastor. And we do have a pastor. We have a pastor that lays on his face before God, seeks God for a word, desires to be in God's presence so that He can come and give us a word. But if that's the only, that's the only time that we try to get in God's presence or hear from God, then we're no different than the children of Israel were here. We expect Pastor Jason to do those things. But where did, it ever, where did it ever become common in the church that so many of the people don't want to press into that same place to hear a word from God, to get a word from God? Is it because they're afraid of having to die? 
because they're afraid of having to die. Because if, if you know much about God, we know if we get in His presence, death will come. There'll be things we have to die to. Well, back to the scripture we read earlier, we'll have to learn how to die if we're in order to save, to, have, you know, to, to save our own life. We've got to learn how to die. So is the church today any different than the children of Israel were? Is the only real fellowship that we have with God is what fellowship we get when our pastor speaks a word to us. How many, that's the only relationship they have. Two hours on Sunday morning, Pastor Jason's going to give me a good word and then I got my life the rest of the week. I said it's a hard word, but this is what God gave me. Because it'll test you and see right where you're at. Where's your heart at? Where's your heart at? Is your relationship with God one that's, I'll just stand afar off, God. I'll just stand afar off from you. I'll watch the presence. I'll, let, I'll, I'll listen to pastor, but I don't really want to be in your presence. James 4 and 8 says, if you'll draw near to God, he will draw near to you. But the key to that is we got to make the first move. It's just like the children of Israel there. He, he had told Moses to tell them to come up. He was there in the mountain, but he wanted them to come up because he wanted to speak to them directly and not just through Moses. God wants to do the same today. He wants to speak to us through our pastor, but he wants to speak to us as individuals too. In our lives daily, not just Sunday morning, in our lives daily. His promise is if you will draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. I'm going to take this just a little different direction here. Try to wind this up. We're about out of time. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. And 20, verse 23 says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So just like it says here that we draw near to God and God will draw near to us, here it says He's seeking. He's seeking for a true worshiper. He's waiting on us to move and say, God, I want to come into your presence. I want to worship you. I want to commune with you. I want to hear from you. You know, I want you to, to take control of my life. He's seeking us to just to worship him. He's seeking the true worshiper. True worshiper, those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Luke, I might have time. Luke chapter 7. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm not going to read it because we're, we're, we're close on time. But we find 
They referred to her as the sinner woman. And we find her worshiping Jesus with her alabaster box, pouring her anointing oil on his feet, washing his feet with and drying it with her hair. But there's a couple of things in there that we don't think about a lot of times. First was, is it it made the disciples uncomfortable. The ones that should have been the closest to the Lord, when they seen a true worshiper, what did it do? It made them uncomfortable. It made them uncomfortable. We, sometimes we may see that in the church. But I read on and was studying for this. In one place, he said if, He's talking to, about worshiping. And it said, if a person's forgiven a debt, one is forgiven a small debt and one's forgiven a great debt, he said, which one would, would be the most grateful? And he said, well, I'm assuming the one that was forgiven the most debt. And he referred to that, to this sinner woman, that such as she. She has been forgiven much. So she really is the one that understood true worship. She understood true worship. <laughs> Have you ever thought about her drying his feet with her hair? We all know, we've all heard say, you know, that you're going out somewhere and yeah, you know, let your hair down. We know what that means. You kind of let your guard down. You kind of, you know, you, you be yourself. And, but then, in that day and time, that was unheard of for a woman to do that, to take her hair and to let it down in the presence of men mainly. So that was another thing that made them uncomfortable. It was what she was willing to do. She was willing to let her hair down. You know, and kind of goes back to what I've been talking about. Are you willing to let your hair down and worship to God? You know, you come in this place, do we come in this place with a heart set on worshiping God when we come in here on Wednesday night or Sunday morning? Are we willing to forget what those around us think and worship God? Here's something else she showed me. We think sometimes, well, it's just, it's just me worshiping and that's just the way I do and this and that. But what if your worship tonight, Sunday, whenever, it don't even have to be at church. What if your worship was the key to a lost loved one being saved? Somebody in a row behind you being delivered. What if your worship was the key to it? What if your worship was the key to it? I have been, I've had breakthroughs during worship. I've been healed during worship before. There's nothing like it. 
But I, I wasn't always that way. I was, I was blessed to be raised in a, in a Christian home. But until I was a grown man and experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, I had never worshipped. I went to church. I lived for the Lord, but I never really had a, a, a real desire to worship God and, and, to, and to do the things that, that we've talked about tonight, to learn how to die to self and to learn how to press in into God's presence. Search for him with all of our heart. He said, blessed is he that will do that, that will hunger, blessed is he that will hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed is he that will hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I challenge you to consider tonight the Where your fellowship is with God. Like I said, it's a, it's a hard, it could maybe a hard word. It may not be that some want to be that dedicated to following after God. But if you do, all the benefits come with it. And the word's full of it, benefits and, and the blessings of truly living our life for God. Well, I challenge you tonight to uh, find your place, get with God, and ask Him what you need to do to get in His presence and learn how tr true fellowship and true worship is with Him.